Anyone's Game podcast. Following women's football. Hello and welcome to the Anyone's Game podcast. My name's Robbie Hanati and today I'm delighted to be joined by Hot's duo Emma Burnley and Shona Cohen. How are you both doing, girls? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, no, me too. I'm doing well, thanks. Glad to be here. No worries. Glad to have you on. Well, first of all, we're going to do what the listeners love to hear is uh, getting to know you questions, just to get to know these two girls. So, who wants to go first, Shona or Emma? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go first. Okay. Emma, where are you from originally? Uh, so, I grew up in Dunfermline. Uh, that's where I kind of went to school and all the way through like high school and stuff like that. I stayed there. And what was it like growing up in Dunfermline? Was that when you got hooked into playing football? or? Yeah, no, I played football from a young age. So I played football sorry, when I was probably seven or eight, I think I first joined a team. Um, so my dad had said like from a young age, like I was always interested in football and my dad's big on football. So he's kind of always followed it. So he started taking me to the Dunfermline games from a very young age. Um, so actually the first, well, the first team I joined was Dunfermline. And I played with them for a couple of years. And then, sadly, they didn't have enough girls to field a team for the last sort of three years under 13s. So then I moved over to Falkirk, which I didn't realise at the time was actually a bit of a derby and they weren't a big fan of each other. <laughs> so so I played for them. Um, yeah, no, I've played. Was it just one of these things that when your dad took you to feet, like, I always ask people, was it your dream to be what you are now? Well, obviously, coming to it, how you ended up now a professional play this full-time player but was once you got hooked and was playing for like under 13s but always one of these things you was like yeah I want to make it to the top here yeah 100 percent. I think it's def- it was different obviously back in terms of when I was growing up in terms of actually the the amount of fully professional teams because obviously the way women's on it's kind of accelerated a lot more over the last sort of five to ten years more than anything else so at that stage when I was growing up I guess I always wanted to play football and I always loved football but I didn't necessarily see a path to becoming a professional player without maybe at the time perhaps going to America so I think being a professional football was always a dream of mine but at the time maybe it wasn't it wasn't as accessible as it is now because there's kids now growing up in Scotland that there's what five teams now that offer full-time full-time football and that can only be a good thing to see now that young players have got role models like I've been at the previous Scotland women games at Hamden and they're all screaming for players like Aaron Cuthbert in Caroline Weir, whereas before, I'm assuming you would have unlikely had a woman's role model in football. Yeah, I think to be fair, I grew up uh, like I would, I would say Julie Fleeton was probably my role model in terms of football growing up. Obviously, like great goal scorer. And when I was down at Arsenal as well, she was there sort of the tail end of stuff as well. So, well, it was it was funny because I actually ended up playing with Julie for, at Celtic for a few years, um, which was mad at the time because obviously I grew up watching her and. I guess she was kind of the person you looked up to during my early years. Yeah, and I guess she's not only a football icon. I think Alan Campbell tweeted that she's still the woman's top UEFA top goal scorer, although it could be surpassed tomorrow night. So it's the same to say you played with. How how did it come about to end up at Arsenal's academy? Because obviously Arsenal's famed for having a great woman's side. Yeah, so I was like, I, I was kind of... Towards like fourth and fifth year in school, I was kind of thinking about going over to America scholarship. Um, and I'd kind of looked at a few different places. And then there was one day like it came up, obviously, in terms of the Arsenal Academy stuff. And I kind of spoke to them thinking, 
it'll never happen. I went down for a trial. And to be honest, like I was quite open to like, I, I was at the end of my fifth year at school and I was quite open to going back to do sixth year and just continue to play in Scotland and stuff like that. And then I actually went down for a trial and like, I think it was like the, honestly the day before my English hire, I found out I was going down there and I thought, I ain't studying for this hire anymore. <laughs> I'm off up the road. Um, but yeah, that's how that kind of came about. So I'd actually just went down for a trial and got into the academy. What was the feeling joining a club like that when you ended up the trial and you ended up in the academy? Yeah, no, it was great. Obviously, Arsenal's been a huge women's team for a number of years. Um, so it was great to go down. I think as well, like I was, what, 16-year-old at the time. So I think it was quite good in terms of, as a person, I had to grow up as well. So I think it kind of helped me in terms of that, like moving away from home at a young age, you you have to start doing things for yourself and stuff. So I think as a person, it helped me a lot. And then obviously the football, the football academy is very good down there. After being at Arsenal's academy, what was the transition? Because obviously it would have been a learning curve. Moving at 16, I can imagine, down to London Arsenal Academy. What was the next step from there and how did it go about? Um, So it was after. So I hadn't been involved in the Scotland setup at all until um, that point. And... It was when I was down at Arsenal, I'd started getting called into the Scotland 19s. So that was when I started getting involved with Scotland 19s and stuff like that. And then I'd had the conversations with um, it was Shelley Kerr at the time and Pauline Hamill in terms of joining the like National Academy. So obviously, because there wasn't, I guess, as many like professional teams about and stuff like that, Scotland had its own National Academy. So they picked people to kind of go through full-time football, essentially, because you were training mornings getting gym sessions, stuff like that, but they'd also put you through university. So I'd done one year at Arsenal and I still was meant to go back for a second year. And at that time, I decided that I wanted to actually come back up the road and go to uni um, and play football that way. Oh, I've got two questions there because I didn't know that. Was it something, do you regret not going back and doing a second year at Arsenal? And two, how would you say the experience of that performance academy was? Um, I wouldn't say I regret it because at the time it was what I felt was the right thing that I was doing. I don't think you can. I think football, you never you never know what's around the corner. Um, and at the time it definitely was to come back up. And as well, off the pitch, I started, I wanted to do my accountancy degree in terms of that because I wasn't, I guess I wasn't sure if football was going to become a full-time thing. So I almost wanted that second career or that other career. So that was another reason I kind of wanted to go to university because at the time, I was doing sports sports science and that, although I find that interesting, it was never a career I was going to actually go into. So, no, I would, I definitely wouldn't say I regret it. Up until more recently that kind of, I know men have to do the same, but in terms of you have to have that plan of if it wasn't full-time professional teams at that point, you've got to, like, good on you, you've got a degree behind you as well. Was that when you was at the National Academy? Is that when you joined Hibs afterwards? Yes, yeah, so when I came up, back to Scotland to go to the National Academy. I joined Hibs at that point. And yeah, I was there originally. So I was at Hibs for two seasons and I actually went to Celtic for two seasons and then went back to Hibs. Um, so I, had two, I actually had two stints at Hibs. And that was that when Hibs were a cup specialist at that point? Yeah, we were. Glasgow City were winning all the leagues and Hibs were the cup specialist during that time. So must have won a few medals then. Yeah, to be fair, I was lucky enough to, in the last, I think it was the last three seasons I had at Hibs, I'm pretty sure we won, we won all the Cups, um, so League Cup and Scottish Cup, so that was good for us. I think our frustration at the time was how close we were to winning the league in the last season. Um, It basically came down to, I think we got beat once off Glasgow City that season, like the second last game of the season, threw it away to them, but yeah, no, we were pretty good in the Cups at that stage. 
j just before we move on to the final question, and then we've got to go back to Hearts and wonder what the show now about the whole being the full-time player. But in terms of, you had one crack at England in the academy with Arsenal, and you ended up down at Everton. Was that, how did that come about? Yeah, so once, I, it was kind of, at that, I was at that stage um, in terms of I'd went, so in amongst all that, when I left university, I went and got a full-time job as a, uh, to qualify as a CA. So I went and did my three years, qualified as a CA, and at that stage, I thought, right, I'm going to have one crack at going full-time. So, because I, I, I knew I had it in the bag at that point, and I thought, if it doesn't work, at least I've got it, essentially. So I thought, I'll have one crack at going full-time. So that was when I obviously got myself an agent, and then the, the move came about, essentially, as well, because Willie Kirk, who was the manager at the time, I had at Hibs. So I knew him, I knew Chris Roberts, and there was a few down there at that stage. So that was kind of how that move came about. And it probably makes it a lot, the transition a lot more easier when, like, you've known Willie Kirk before, and then coming down there, you're, you're older at that point as well. You wasn't there, was it just, you went, moved in January, and then you moved to Rangers in September. So it's only a few months, but did you enjoy that spell at Everton? Yeah, it was, a, it was a short spell, but it was good in terms of I was obviously playing the WSL down there, so it was good, and obviously, like, I knew, like you say, I had familiar faces with Willie and Chris and that who'd been at Hibs, and I think that sometimes makes the transition, sorry, a bit easier going into a club when there is familiar faces there. Absolutely. What I'm going to do is make listeners on a bit of a cliffhanger, so we're stopping at before you signed for Rangers, and we're, we're going to come back to it. I'm going to go on to Shona with the way you are from originally, and then we will go back to it. And I want to speak about both of you playing at the youth level for Scotland and just your ambitions, because I think you're, as a younger player, Shona, it's probably someone to look up to as well, hearing Emma's story right now. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I was even like at one point, um, like a few months ago, talking to Pauline about Scotland, and I was saying about how Emma was coming into the squad, and I was saying how excited I was, like, because... She's so Emma's so professional, she's such a good player. I feel like I can I've already learned so much from her and from like all the other girls in the team, even in just these past few months. And I can only learn more from them to be honest. And she's just a great role model for me personally as well. So yeah, no, it's great. Oh, how nice you're blushing at such <laughs> a nice uh, compliment. But just before we go back to the hearts talk, I want to ask a bit about you, Shona. Okay, just to get our listeners up to date. So where about are you from originally? Well, I was born in Edinburgh and I like when I was one I moved out to Gullen, which is where I am now. So I've lived here my whole life basically. Went to North Berwick High School, now I'm about to go to uni. Yeah, I know I literally have my first day today. I was like Oh wow, what what are you studying? Um doing sport and exercise science. So it'll be really interesting, I think, and I think also because I'm so like football's my life and having that sport and exercise science as well at the side thing also helped me in a way like with my football like learn, just learn a lot more about it not just about like you know skills tactics but like about my my like yourself as well mm -hmm. and I think you know, it'll be just good I'm excited for it actually. And growing up in Gullin was that was you playing people on the streets? Was a a good like one the ones people set up there, or do you have to go through the Edinburgh? there? Yeah, so well, my family's a very sporty household, shall we say, and my mum always used to take me to like these mini kickers games. So when I was in primary school, 
there was no girls teams at all it was all boys teams or like mixed teams but there'd be like one or two girls so when I started playing for Gun Athletics which is my wee village um I was the first girl to join my like join the age group that I was in oh wow and for the, yeah I know <laughs> and then the first uh and then there's literally like three girls for the whole time throughout primary school. There was literally three of us who, which was actually thinking about it, it's kind of mad because now sometimes I used to help out like a few years ago. Now nowadays they've got full on girls teams like even more than the boys as well. So it's just come a lot come such a long way since then as well. So no, it's it's mad. So then I would be playing for Gullen and then Hearts scouted me when I was in like P6 or something and I've been at heart since since that age and I used to have a travel to into Edinburgh like just all over the place because we didn't used to have all the facilities we have now so we just play where we could basically just go out and just find somewhere and just play there but nowadays we've got like we've got the facilities at the Orion which is just amazing um but yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that sounds fantastic to still be there because, you know, a lot of players like can get lost in the game. A lot of people like, we get on this podcast that say, oh, you no, know, like in boys teams playing, in, as a female playing in boys teams and then because there wasn't a female team, they get lost in the game. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you've been there since P6 and you've probably seen such a stark contrast to then players such as Emma turning up at training. Yeah. And obviously Kira Grant as well, we have um, great careers so far. It must be like a pinch yourself moment to now be playing in that sort of team. And I've seen it transition over the years. Yeah, no, it's been it's been a privilege really, to be honest. Because when I was younger, I'm not really like I'm thinking I wanna I wanna get there. I wanna play at the top level that I wanna be at. But you don't really think about, oh my god, I'm gonna be playing with like these players, like this season we've obviously obviously over the years we've had players from come from like Hibs and so on but like having like Emma and Kira and like V and like all these players who have all this experience coming into the team especially this season has just been just just a real privilege to be honest because it's just amazing to see how far you can go like and how much you can improve and how much you can learn from other people as well. So I think, yeah, I think we're only going to go from here as well. So it's exciting. It's an exciting time. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like it. Have you always played in the position you do now? Uh, well, yeah, when I was uh, younger and I played for Gullen and in the Hearts, like, younger groups, I'd be playing, like, centre-back. I'd be playing, I'd be playing full-back. I'd be just, I just, wherever I was put, I'd just be, I'd just play like I remember sometime playing like wingers or midfield and I'd wherever I was I just I just played football. But um yeah, over the years I've now just become more more defensive really. So just anywhere across the back that I'm just I'm just happy to play to be honest. Miss Versatile, are you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But before we go into the hearts that strangers chat, it that leads on nicely, speaking of positions. Two. And the reason I ask that because we've had a few players be like, oh, is this where I asked, would you be in goals? Because I want to ask you both, 
I'll start with you, your five, ultimate five-a-side team, and you're not allowed to do what Kenny would call backies, what I would call any man save. Uh, I'd like to know your ultimate five-a-side team with players you've played with or played against, but if you really wanted to, play, a player you admire can be thrown in as well. Oh, no. This is, I thought you can go first. Oh. Yeah, you can go first. You've had, you've had a bit of time to think about it. Right, so players I've played with or, or against. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so in Gladsey Berger, I played against her um, when I was at Everton there. Who else would have in that team? Gabby George. Uh, I played with her at Everton. And who else would I say? Caroline Weir. I actually played with her the very first time I was at Hibs. She was there at that stage and she's always been very, very gifted technically. Unbelievable. Who else I'm going to chalk in? Uh, Vivian Miedema. I played against her um, when I was oh, down wow. south. And last one I'm going to chuck in I played against would be Fran Kirby. I think that's my team. Playing with Caroline Weir and playing against Miedema and Kirby, that's unreal. Like, <laughs> They're uh, frightening. Yeah, it, it is frightening. But, um, a lot to live up to here, Shona, but it's a time to shut up some teammates, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have, like, I don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh god, um, well, I probably have to have like, oh, this is so hard. Like Lizzie Arnett, she's just so technically good, it's actually unreal. Sam Kerr, who else? Emma Brownlee? <laughs> Emma, Emma Brownlee at the back. <laughs> <laughs> um, who have we got? You've made me have a complete mind blank now. Put me on the spot. Oh, Amy Muir. Um, how many is that? That's four. Yeah, have you included Emma? <laughs> yeah, no, I'll include Emma. You're the goalkeeper now. Uh, Jenna Fife. There we go. That's a solid team. That's a solid team. Not, not, solid. Quite, not quite uh, medium, weird and curvy, but a very solid team. No, I don't I don't have that yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no yeah. exactly. And that's where I want to lead on to. I want to go back to where I left Emma here with joining Rangers from... Everton, am I right in saying when you joined Rangers to be still technically amateur? Yeah, so basically when I first went in to Rangers, they were completely amateur at the time, but there was plans to go professional. So it was like partway through a season. So it was when the season in Scotland used to run like March to November, essentially. So in September time, they brought in three full-time players. So they brought in me, Dana Burma and Lisa Martinez, who actually just went back to Rangers there. So we were all in full-time. And then basically when the season ended, so I think I played about two months in that season. And then when that ended, that's when they completely had a clear out in terms of their squad and they went full time at that stage. But I have to admit the transition between when I first went in at Rangers and what they've done over the last three years was impressive in terms of their investment in that women's team. And I think that shows in terms of obviously last season, winning the league shows where because they invested and because of the way they did it, how like how strong they became yeah and, and that's exactly why I was I didn't want to speak too much about Rangers and make it that cent like all Rangers centric but I was like when I did read that that you came in when they were still amateur and then you see look at the strength and depth this season and see that in the progress in the Champions League and things like that you left as an invincible title winner so I'm going from Scottish women's football being dominated for the last decade or so by Glasgow City to Rangers, putting all that investment in, for you to be part of that for that, what, two years or so, must have been pretty special, especially to leave 
with that one is narrowing me in. Yeah, of course, like I said earlier, in terms of when I was at Hebs, that was the one thing that I'd I'd missed out on. So <laughs> finally, hands on a league medal. Um, but no, like the investment and stuff Rangers have put in and even then leading on to in terms of you see this season, obviously Hearts are now investing, Hibs are investing. So you've got five teams essentially across the league who now have full-time players. And I think that shows you the the way in terms of the improvement in women's football, the way it's going. And it's great to see that these bigger men's clubs are actually investing in women's football because essentially that's what you need, in my opinion. Because when you look at the WSL as well, it's your Chelsea's, your Arsenal's, your Man City's that have that have the funds available there to then invest properly in their women's team. And then yeah. it filters, improves, improves the standards throughout the league. Yeah, exactly. And this is what I always say. You probably both agree. And this is no disrespect to Glasgow City, but in one sense, it has worked for them because they were a women's only side. But now teams at Rangers, Celtic, all the five you mentioned, and I think Aberdeen Dun United have heard of ambitious plans, Motherwell as well. Like Everyone's been forced to kind of step it up a wee bit. But all these teams associated with like the men's clubs, they've got that fan base there who, if the product's sold right, there's no reason why they can't get along on a Sunday as well. And that can help boost chance of more players on better salaries and on full-time contracts as well, would you say? 100%. It's, it's these clubs that are investing that are making, making it happen for women's football. I actually think it's very impressive what City have done for the last 14, 15 years, considering they don't have that backing. However, I think in terms of like your Hearts, your Rangers, Celtic, etc., they have stadiums and fan bases there in place already. That although at the moment, for example, we might play two or three games a season at Tynecastle, as it's then progressing and improving, there is a stadium there that can be filled at some stage, and there's already a fan base there, and I think that only helps because it's people coming through the gate to watch it. Like that's what's going to improve. One of first of all, like us as a club, but overall that improves throughout the league. And like you saying, in terms of Dundee United and Motherwell and stuff like that, they've already got that as well in terms of fan bases. So you're wanting these big clubs to start investing because, like I've said again, like it just it continues to improve and improve. Well, last season, as someone that's like been covering Norman football for a few years now, seeing Rangers be Aberdeen at Ibrox was like an unreal moment, like having that. Like, a stadium like that, or even the Edinburgh Derby, both at Easter Road and Tynecastle. I was at them, and it was, it was it was quite emotional, definitely, because you don't like you, you associate going just down, especially like having been a COVID season before that, and there was no one in the ground. So then these teams finally see that opportunity to host these showcase games at these grounds. It's something that surely, as players, Sean, did you, did you play in that Derby games? Yeah, yeah, I played yeah. in. Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask you. That must be like a stark contrast and just from playing at the Orium or you saying just playing whatever to suddenly playing in front of five, six thousand fans at a premiership ground. Yeah, it was surreal to be honest. I couldn't quite believe it. It was happening. <laughs> yeah, it was It was just such a moment. Like you just got just to gotta take it in and just really appreciate it as well because that's like huge. That's just such a massive moment in, like in women's football in Scotland, like, actually be able to play in Tynecastle, in Easter Road, like, in these, like, in the stadiums that the men's play at, it's, it was, like, a huge step to actually go there, and record-breaking crowds as well at them, it's, like, it was just, it was surreal, it was, it was an amazing experience, an amazing experience, I'm just so happy I actually, I managed to, 
to be there. Yeah, I can tell in your your voice, like how proud you are to have featured. Yeah. I, I I remember uh, me and Kenny being there and just being like, yeah, this is this is brilliant. Like just being being part of it, walking up those stairs into and I think we used to old one. Hearts had a wee like a way support and the other stand as well, and that was quite cool. It made it because usually they're kind of integrated. So another thing, just on this topic topic while we're on to it about that improvement you both have seen and you've t- talked about in the women's game even the fact that it's now been taken over by the SPFL whether or not you agree with it I don't know but you can see already the professionalism with on, on Sky Sports on the radio you're hearing about the women's results on a Sunday there's now like top scorer charts it's a lot more accessible to see things about the women's game in Scotland as well this season. I, I've noticed that as a journalist. So you're probably seeing that as a player. No, no, it definitely it definitely is like a lot more, what's the word, um, re- like reachable, like, like as you say, like for people to actually know about what's happening in women's football in Scotland. Like it's, people can actually see, like, like you said, scores and like highlights and it's a lot, like they can... I don't know, it's just it's just quite, I don't know, like, emotional in a way, because before it wasn't really a thing you could go and see. It was only the past few years you've actually been able to get a few games on, on like, BBC Sport and BBC Alba, and it's just, it's coming, it's coming, like, the time when it will just, it will happen, and all games will be BBC Sport, BBC Alba in the future. But we've just got to keep going. We've just got to keep working for it and just keep keep going. But it's coming. It's coming. I think as well, like off the back of the Euros, like we see how massive the Euros were in the summer in terms of the audience, in terms of them filling stadiums and things like that. And I think you've seen it. It's almost like clubs have rode the wave of that success because they've realised that it is what's well, is it the fastest growing sport in the world? Yeah, it's, I think this weekend is it Chelsea and Arsenal both hosting WSL games at the Premier League grounds as well. So probably what you way to expand on there is a perfect example that all these clubs are now seeing that opportunity. Yeah, and I think like for years, for like the men's clubs or the clubs are it's not men's clubs, but the <laughs> clubs are previously just been solely men's and now that when they've started investing in women's football they probably at the start realized that they were going to make losses and there wasn't going to be a much coming back because essentially like the biggest probably income from football will be from the media and from games on Sky Sports or BBC and getting people through the gate and things like that and I think for a while that maybe we didn't have many games on TV and there maybe wasn't as many people going through the gate whereas like we've seen from the Euros, all the games were on the TV. They were filling stadiums. So there's obviously, because there's now that audience, there's then more money getting actually put into women's football, which is huge in terms of moving forward. That also comes on nicely to the fact of mentioning you left Rangers with uh undefeated league winners medal. It's the burning question I have. Was it the ambition of what sold you on becoming Hutch's first ever full-time player this summer. I think for me, as soon as I spoke to Avon Sean, like I knew it felt that the club, that what they've got in place and what their plans are in the future seemed set, like sat right with me. I felt like I believed in what they were saying. And I think it is like, I very much knew that this was at the start of a process. And it was like when I went into Rangers, but I also seen it from the other side in terms of I've seen where Rangers got to in three years. 
because of the investment and because of the backing in the club. And I think that's something that I was impressed with at Hearts is what's going on behind the scenes to make it work for the women's team. And I think that when you sit down and speak to them, it seems like they're doing it in the right way. Yeah, absolutely. And is this one of these things that you leave Rangers? Do, do they, the clubs approach you? Did Eva come to you or is it through an agent? Or how does that all come about when you leave Rangers? In terms of Hearts approaching, they approached, they approached my agent. But my contract with Rangers was coming to an end in summer. Was that a tough one to not get your contract renewed? Or was it one of these that at end of one project on a high and then you're starting a new one? That, as you say, you never know Hearts could be in that position in three years' time. You just never know. I think for me, like I obviously came off the back of last season. I struggled with injuries throughout the season and obviously had played as much football as maybe what I'd liked over the last the last wee while. So I think also in my head that when even when in back in January time, I think I was starting to think that this season I needed to go somewhere where I was going to get minutes. And I think like that was one big thing for me is I wanted to go into one an environment that I was going to enjoy and two an environment that I was I wanted to play that I could that I was going to get minutes on the pitch. And I think for me, because that's what football's all about, like you want as much as winning trophies and I love my time at Rangers. I think it had come to a point that because of sort of what happened with injuries and stuff like that, like I wanted to go somewhere where I would be playing week in, week out. Lucky that Hearts have obviously given me that opportunity. Absolutely. And it must have felt even more privileged to then be that kind of first person in that wave of new professionalism at Hearts in that move as well. So that was probably an extra like fanfare to that as well. It's obviously great to to be the first one to walk in the door and stuff like that. And I think it just like, for me, it was like Hearts are shown good intent in terms of as well, when we look at, yeah, I was the first one in the door, but we also look at how many have now followed me in the door. And I think, I think that's the biggest things is obviously every season we just want to improve. Exactly. And that's just showing already in a short period of time, they're living up to that promise and you're seeing that pay off. I'll come back and ask you probably the same question Emma, in a second, but Sean, as someone who's been there for a while at Hearts, what has it been like with Ava coming in as head coach? And what is she like as a person? It's been brilliant. It's been great. She's uh, got so many ideas. She's so passionate about the game, about football, about growing women's football, about she's just I actually have no words to describe you she's just such an amazing human being she just wants to do the best that she can and not just for the club but just for like individuals as well she wants to make sure everyone's like happy everyone's fine it's not mental side of the game's just as big a part as the actual playing the football but she's got uh, she's just got brilliant plans she's got She's just, I think there's going to be a really bright future for Hearts with Eva, with Eva here, but no, definitely coming. Obviously, we've had some great coaches at Hearts as well, but Eva's, Eva's bringing in the new, for the future, she's bringing in all these new things for the future that can really help us get semi-professional, professional, like just keep improving the club, the team together, which is what you need. But no, she's, she's a brilliant coach. She's yeah, you couldn't ask for more from her. She puts her heart and soul into the club, into the team every single day. And that's what you can ask for. Well, that was a lovely uh, sentiment to Ava. So I hope she listens to this. But to <laughs> me, that was definitely what I've, times I've spoke to after games is the same. It was one game, I think it wasn't the best of end result against Rangers last season, but it was a very young Hearts team. And you could just see exactly <laughs> what she wanted. And she was getting the best out of every single 
player. I think she was like, oh, the average age of this team was 17. Yeah. They've addressed that. This season, they've brought in experience. And that combined with a really enthusiastic, talented young bunch of players, you can see that start to pay off. And coming in, speaking to Ava yourself, Emma, has this been the same? Would you replicate what Shona was saying about her methods and everything? Yeah, I think, like, obviously, one of the first things I noticed was she has a very clear way in which she wants to play and I think like I guess it's typical of Spanish in some way that like it all wants is nice football it's all possession based and things like that and that's something that probably drew me to it as well as terms of like I want to be somewhere who wants to play nice football and I think that was one thing that I noticed where she's very clear on that and I also think as well she's very very approachable as a manager and as a person and like very like very straight talking as well, which I think is always always a good a good sign of a good manager. I think like you knew straight away exactly exactly how she wanted to play and the system she wanted to play it in. And I think that obviously as well as in terms of who she's brought in, she's brought very much players in who fit her system. And I think I think that's very important in terms of you need the players that fit the system that you want to play and because she's so set on the type of football and stuff as well that it's very important. And say on the Hearts topic and speak about the season so far, Hearts are sitting in fourth after four games, wins over Partick and Glasgow Women, with narrow losses in the other two games. What was the expectations of, if you want to tell me, Elias, was the expectations set at the start of the season or targets that you were set? Yeah, I think internally we have targets in terms of where we want to be this season. So we were like disappointed, I guess, with the defeat against Spartans earlier on in the season. In terms of the Rangers game, I think there's certain games that we need to be realistic in terms of what we're setting out. And but, however, the way we played against Rangers, I think we can be proud of, and I think we can be happy with in terms of our performance in the Spartans game compared to the Rangers game was night and day. And I think that's what we can do. And I think what we need to do this season is bring a consistency to what we're doing because we have the ability and the players in there to play the way we want to play and compete in terms of on a week-to-week basis. We're realistic about our targets, but we know that, for example, what we did against Spartans wasn't wasn't good enough. And I think it's still a very new group and where we've come from, from even when I first walked in the door, what, two or three months ago is good. And I think we're obviously heading in the right direction and we're realistic in terms of the amount of new players we brought in, it's a very fresh squad and there's still a lot of young players in there as well. Internally, I guess we know sort of what our aims are for the season. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no reason why then the season you can't be in that top half at least or where you are at the moment. But Shona, are you seeing it with all, with all due respect, having been there before all these more experienced players and this ambition coming in and apart from that Spartans game, Chalk and cheese, looking at that Rangers result, a 2-0 defeat. And some of these teams, even last season, Hearts might have been on heavier defeats to Rangers. This season, we've seen some heavy defeats for other teams against Rangers. Not just showing, within a few games, the drastic improvement that the squad's capable of doing. Yeah, no, definitely. Like Emma was saying, obviously last season was unfortunate with, like, you know, how many defeats and, and so on. But, this season, we've got all these new players in as well, which will, which definitely helps bring the team together as well and brings the experience with them as well. Like This season, we have 
a lot more experienced players. We still have, you know, the young players as well, like myself, but we have a lot more experience within the team. And that I think even in training, you can just tell how much we've improved from last season, even in these past just these past few months. You can see how far we've come already. And I think we're only just gonna improve from like from where we are now. I think playing Rangers shows like Emma was saying, how how well we can play. And we've got to just take that as right, this is this is where we are. We can't we can't go lower than that. We we have to we have to keep improving. We have to keep going. Like at least we have to be playing about how we are playing against Rangers and keep them being consistent and keep learning, keep improving as a team together, just to keep keep get try and get those wins and you know see what see what happens. But we're definitely personally, I think I'm very excited for the season. I think it's going to be very good with all the all the experience and learning off of each other. I think it'll be. I'm very excited. It's going to be good. Sounds really exciting. Speaking, don't want to dwell too much on last season, but as a young player, sometimes dealing with setbacks and it was a very young team, taking some of these defeats on the chin and developing a style of play and way of playing, now looking at it, could be more important in the long run than well, a league position. Yeah, last season, I think it was a bit more like mentally... Um, tough if you you say with all the defeats but you know you've just gotta like you say take it on the chin and just learn from your mistakes because you're not going to improve if you don't make mistakes you've got to make mistakes to improve and learn from them last year was a real learning curve I think as well but you know what this season we've just got to take yes we've got to think about that from last season see how far we've come though and just keep just keep going just keep improving Mental toughness, I think, is also just a very um, important thing you've got to have as well. well that, that's the reason I asked it. it. was not more to say, oh, it was bad last season. It was more, Eva, yeah. I did touch on that before as well, about why it was important to get these young players in. Like, obviously, you want to be winning, but it's all yeah. about that learning curve. And Emma touched on it there, and you've touched on it, with being a very new squad. What is the dressing room camaraderie? Like, I always like asking people this sort of thing. It has a squad gelled together well. From my perspective, I found it a very easy environment to go into in terms of it's not like here, like everyone seems to get on with each other, like there's bigger characters. To me, it's at the moment, I think they've managed to sort of bring in good characters and good people who've been, who are still there, sorry, are good characters and good people. And I think that's one of the biggest things, I think, when you're having a bit of a restructure and you're maybe bringing in a lot of new faces, it's you have to bring in the right people as well because you don't want a bad changing room because a good changing room is what helps you win on the pitch, I think. Have you found that transition where bodies coming in and out, Shona, you say camaraderie is great and despite being new faces and everything, that you've all gelled together pretty well? Definitely, I, I, I agree with Emma 100%. It's just, we've got a great group of girls. Everyone gets on so well. Everyone understands what uh, what we've got to do, what, what we want to do together, what we want to do for the season and in the future. So yeah, everyone's everyone gets on so well. Everyone knows. And everyone's just really nice girls, to be honest. We all get on very well. That is what I like to hear. On, on a match day, who's the one in the dressing room? 
it's crescent bovius who's the one in the dressing room getting everyone up for the game like putting the tunes on or saying this like motivational speeches anything in terms of music to be fair george attempts is on the music nowadays which and will not be happy about <laughs> oh my she's pleased with that um but in terms of vocal people in the changing room i think Peter grant speaks well actually i think for me and i would probably say that i'm one of the ones that you'd probably hear my voice in the changing room trying to get people going for the game what, what would you say about the music taste is it questionable or some of it's questionable uh, <laughs> personally <laughs> But no, we like to have some upbeat music, I would say, uh, get get us going for the game. But um, as Emma said, I think herself, Kira, Rude, you know, all of them, I think, also just create the environment, like, to just go out and just go for it. Doesn't, like, doesn't matter about mistakes, just go for it, give your all. I think they all speak very well in the change rooms to just, you know, get us hyped for the game, as well as everyone, but them especially. Special mentions right there to experienced players and it's showing that is paying off already in the dressing room. I can't thank you both enough for taking the time to chat to me here on the Anyone's Game podcast. It's been a pleasure. Wish you all the best. Perfect. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.